Well, we've been teaching on Sundays and some Wednesday nights on the subject of prayer and uh, different kinds of praying. And I always like to say, don't get so hung up in the rules that you lose the passion for prayer. Sometimes we get so so technical that we just almost feel like we're going through a step step by step program or something. But it is good, you know. On the other hand, the other ditch is let the ignorant remain ignorant. We're not going to stay there either. <laughs> but uh, we can learn. So that we kind of have in mind when we're praying what we're praying for. Now you might say, well, isn't prayer prayer like saying sports is sports? Well, sports is not sports because if you try to play baseball with football rules, you're going to have a big problem on the, on that playing field. And uh, if you try to play golf according to, uh, baseball, you've got another problem, you know. So uh, you, you use the club like a bat. It's, it's not going to work very well. So to say prayer is prayer is 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 kind of an ignorant thing. Um, it doesn't matter. Well, God, I believe God looks on the heart. He'll answer every prayer. You know, I, I've seen people that prayed wrong and got an answer to their wrong prayer. Like, just that's all they knew. So they might have prayed something that wasn't exactly... Uh, approved by the Word of Faith movement. <laughs> but they got an answer to their prayer and, and God turned their situation around because of their heart. Amen? So we do recognize that. And I always want to encourage people when I'm teaching on prayer, um, just pray for God's sakes. I mean, just pray. And you don't have to be specially asked to be on the prayer team or you know, and your prayer, even if you pray in other tongues, it might not sound like somebody else's. And so what? You know, God cares and God looks on the heart. And so if you're praying sincerely, but it is good to pray according to the word. For example, like we were talking about the sports illustration, um, not Sports Illustrated magazine, but the sports illustration of, you know, sports is sports. Well... Prayer, it has the same, you know, uh, some, some issues here. For example, uh, the prayer of dedication and consecration is, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. What, what, uh, what is it you want me to do? What is your will for my life? Where should we live? Where should we uh, attend church? Where should we worship? What, how should we, uh, you know, am I called to a full-time ministry? Am I called to mission work? What is it? See, you pray that prayer, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. But when it comes to redemptive blessings like healing and and um, uh, provision in your life, you wouldn't pray that because it's it's it. There's no faith in that. But the prayer of faith is established on the known will of God. Amen. So first of all, if you're going to pray for something that Christ got for us through His redemptive finished work then you would pray the prayer of faith, which we we went over a couple of services ago. The prayer of faith, amen, which is uh, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Well, you would have to line, we need to line our desires up with God's desires. So you might say, well, I desire 
you know, an adulterous affair. Well, you can't use your faith for that <laughs> because that's not God's will. He's, he can't answer that prayer. So you, you pray things that make it impossible for God to answer. So, sure, what things soever, it, it really is very broad, but it needs to all, all, of course, be tempered by what God's will would be. So God's never going to be party to you doing something sinful or wrong or you're embezzling money at work and <laughs> asking God to bless that somehow. Uh, there was a guy that was in my church, a man that was in my church uh, many years ago, another church we had and pastored. And uh, he had he was in real estate uh, development, and he had been stealing the escrow money for the people put down, you know, money for their housing unit, and he was stealing it and living off of it. So when it came time to finally finish the complex, guess what? They're short, can't finish. And some people finally came down to inspect the property that, that they had bought and invested in, and nothing was there but a shell of a building. And they were devastated. They had to go try to collect it. And the guy should have gone to prison, but he made a deal with the judge, and I don't know, whatever. But the point is, he comes to me. He's a member of the church. You can't believe what people will do. And he's a member of the church, and he comes to me and he says, you know, I've been stealing this money, <laughs> but I've been tithing off of it. And so, therefore, the devourer should be rebuked. And I said, well, buddy, you know, there's just other scriptures we have to look at. You can't just take one scripture and go half-cocked out there and say that you're standing on it. That's crazy. But it's amazing what people try to get God to bless. But what what God calls blessed is already blessed. So your salvation, your healing, your your provision, things that would be God's will for everybody. Amen. It's God's will that everyone is saved. It's God's will that everyone is healed. It's God's will that everyone has their needs met and and uh, uh, their, even their desires fulfilled. Praise God. But, on the other hand, uh, so whatever whatever you're pl- praying for, make sure it's already blessed before you're claiming it. Um, that makes sense. I, I, I'm preaching to the choir here. I know everybody agrees. But uh, you'd be surprised at what folks come up with. Almost trying to twist the word to fit their circumstance instead of us submitting our life to the word. And if you just go that way, it goes a lot easier. Amen? First of all, God is not just a series of... Uh, God is a is 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 a real entity, the person of the Holy Spirit, and um, some people treat God like it's a set of a set of practices. I'm practicing Christianity, like you're practicing the piano, and uh, the thing is, you, or you're practicing cooking or something. You've got a new recipe and you're trying it out, but. Uh, I don't like words like that. Like, here's the three scriptures that are a recipe for victory. Well, I don't like that because it's almost like you're trying to work a formula, work a system. God is not a formula. He is not a system. He's our very own father. We are his children. 
and he wants us to trust him personally. His word, the scripture, is really just giving us an idea about what God is like. So yes, we stand on the word. Yes, we quote it. Yes, we claim it. Yes, we remind God in a way of what he said, but it's not for his sake, like he doesn't have dementia. It's not like he forgot, but it's for our sake that we're reminding. We're really not reminding God, we're reminding ourselves. But it assures us to, to talk to him in that way. Does that help anybody? So obviously we want to do the word, so to speak, as much as we can. But then don't get so bogged down in semantics that you can't even pray. So that being said, we're gonna, we're gonna pick out the prayer of agreement. Now the prayer of agreement is very powerful. And I've seen that do, I've seen the prayer of agreement produce amazing things for people. So let's read it and see what the word says. Matthew 18, uh, Let's start at 8, uh, 1818. Prayer is the binding and loosing, and then the prayer of agreement. Verily I say unto you that whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall, shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In other words, whatever you allow, heaven will allow. Whatever you forbid, heaven will forbid. Amen. So if you want to allow sickness in your home, well, God's not going to interfere with you. But if you, if you forbid it, amen, no plague shall come near my dwelling, then you can enforce that. And heaven, here's the cool thing, heaven backs you up. So it encourages us to be bolder. Say, well, I did that and, you know, George got sick anyway. Well, Keep standing on the word. Keep practicing it. Amen. Just because it didn't work, so to speak, perfectly the first three times you tried, doesn't mean you you stop. Amen. If we, what if we approached our vocation like that? The, anybody ever had a, a job, a vocation, and you made a mistake or two? Sure, sure. But you just keep at it. Amen. Just keep uh, or cooking or whatever else, gardening <laughs> for that matter. Uh, changing the oil in your car if you do it yourself. I mean, you know, I wouldn't know on my car where to open, I don't even know how to open the hood hardly. But, um, you know, people do that. I'm, I'm, admi- I admire people that can fix stuff. Um, but I'm sure that the first time you, you, you do anything, a uh, time or two, it might, might take a little practice to really get into it. I just say this, keep practicing the word, keep practicing. It'd be like somebody trying to play the piano. Again, I can relate to that. But somebody practicing, they're learning the piano and they get frustrated. The first two or three books they go through and lessons, it gets more difficult and they get mad. And um, But, you know, if you have children, you're raising them, you know, you have to keep encouraging them. Well, keep playing soccer, keep kicking that ball and keep running on the field and you'll be a soccer player or you'll be a piano player or whatever you're practicing. And uh, the more you do it, the better you get at it. Well, the things of God tend to be like that. I'm not talking, again, dead works, just doing something to, to, you know, get some kind of merit. You're not getting any merit, but what you are getting is more proficient 
in the tools that God has given us to be spiritual giants. Amen. And uh, so you can declare things over your home, declare things over your finances, uh, declare protections over your your. You know, a big thing now is privacy invasion from these hackers and stuff. And well, we about need to be speaking the word over our computers and our phones and and our our account numbers and all those things because people try to steal that way now. But uh, somebody might say, well, just whatever happens, happens is God's will. Well, that's as dumb as going to bed at night and leaving your front door wide open. And, uh, in fact, just go ahead and crack it open. And in Florida, you know, you could end up with an alligator in your living room. I mean, living right here in the middle of holiday, you could get an alligator in your house. You could get a snake for sure, probably a mouse or two, maybe a rat. And you might get an intruder who wants to rob, rape, and pillage and burn. I mean, you don't know what you're going to get. So... We have sense enough to keep our doors shut physically and locked, and we have to do the same thing spiritually. Amen. Sometimes we have to put our hands on our hips and get a, you know, put on two guns, you know, like a, like a, a little boy and, uh, wearing a cowboy outfit. That's probably politically incorrect now. I can't. You know, you used to could show up at school with pistols on. I don't let you do that anymore. With cap pistols, you know. But I, I was one of those boys, you know, with the, back in the 60s, the boots and the, the holster, double holster with caps, cowboy hat. And, uh, and we'd play cowboys and Indians, and I'm really sure that's politically incorrect by now. Because the Indians always lost in my neighborhood anyway. Nobody wanted to be the Indians because they lost. Because they didn't have guns. They had bows and arrows, but they had rubber tips, so nobody ever ever got hurt by them. We've come a long ways since then. All right. Um, so anyway, this binding and loosing is not exactly the prayer of... of, of um, Agreement, but it's, it's worth mentioning that you can, you can take authority over what belongs to you. And I encourage you to do it and be bold about it. And declare, and don't just wait for something bad to happen to declare it. Declare it when things are good. Keep it going. All right, now, uh, so now we have the prayer of agreement coming up here, verse 19. Again, I say unto you that if two of you, you could, you could even say as few as two. Now, you'd have to have at least two to have an agreement, wouldn't you? <laughs> Unless you're agreeing with yourself, and then we need to send you to another facility. Uh if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, look, look at that. It shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Praise God. So even if you get one other person to agree, and I'm going to tell you how to do that here in just a second. 
And then we read verse 20, which should be read always behind 19, because verse 20 is the one preachers used to pull out if they had a small crowd at a service. They'd say, well, whether two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. You know, that's the, that was the tone of it. And it just was a downer. I always hated that, you know, if somebody read that, because it just sounds so pathetic. But it's not, that's not really what that means. It means the same thing as 19. It's a, it's a reiteration for where two or three are gathered together. And what it implies is in agreement, in agreement in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Because I've been in some services where there was two or three and there was no nothing that happened. And you, everybody's just in pain sitting there and wishing it would stop. Please stop the insanity was the name of the meeting. Make the, make the bad man stop, you know. <laughs> make the boogeyman stop. This whole service. Cause it's so, it's just so sad and pathetic sounding. But that's not what that means. It means that if you're gathered together in agreement in his name, he's there with you. Praise God. So if you get another one other person to agree, you always are going to have three because you're because because God's going to be there with the two of you. That's why husbands and wives in agreement in prayer are so powerful. That's the reason the devil fights marriage like he does. Because he knows if those two, husband and wife, if they can get in agreement, <laughs> now they may not agree on everything, what color to paint the kitchen or something, but if, if they can agree on these things of God, then they're powerful. And anything they ask and agree on, God will do it for them. And we need to remind each other. Now, Brother Copeland said that when he was, you know, learning these things and practicing them as a younger believer, he said that he'd get discouraged about stuff and just start confessing the worst things ever. Well, no, I don't, I try and try, nothing I do seems to work out. You know, he just, just let her fly, as we say, just come, just whine about it. And he said that, um, Gloria, would say to him, I agree with you in the name of Jesus that whatever you say comes to pass. And he would stop and say, wait, 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 let me retract that then. I don't want, I don't want agreement with that. <laughs> so it works both ways, you know, but if we can get an agreement on the, the basic things, you know, that it's God's will to heal us. It's God's will to bless us. It's God's will to prosper us. It's God's will to put us over, amen, in life. And we can agree on that and, and join hands in prayer and agree, praise God, we are unstoppable. Amen. And, uh, and then every time that after the prayer of agreement is prayed, every time you think about that issue, let's say it's finances or something, Every time you think about that, remind each other of what you agreed in prayer. I, I actually encourage you to get a little spiral notebook. I mean, the, you know, they're cheap. You can get them at dollar store or drug store. Get a little spiral notebook, if nothing else, 
and write down the date and time that you agreed, what scripture you're standing on, and exactly what it is you agreed to, to pray. And that becomes sort of your, uh, what do they call it? Standard SSOP, standard operating procedure. They, they call that in the military, SOP. Your standard operating procedure for that idea. Amen. And that we say, now remember, you know, say, well, look, we're a little short this month. Well, remember, our God supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And this is the day the Lord has made, and I'm going to rejoice in it, and he's bringing things to pass. Amen. Amen. And, uh, I mean, Scarlett and I, we've had some challenges. We've had some financial challenges, but God always comes through and makes a way where it looks like there's not going to be one and uh, puts us over. Amen? And uh, we're believing God just like you. We're believing God in a way. The church and our ministry is our business, if you want to look at it that way. In other words, we get paid through that, like you get paid through your company or whatever that you're doing. And so, um, you know, we have to believe God not only for personal finances, but when you run your own business, so to speak, you have to believe God for the business to succeed too. Amen. And so you do that and, and you, you, you call everything that ha- I, I'll sometimes say everything that's got my name attached to it is blessed. In the name of Jesus. If my name's on it, it's blessed. And, uh, so now it's funny thing about the prayer of agreement. A couple of things I'm going to tell you. One is, um, I've had people through the years come to me and they'll say, well, I've been to the doctor and he gave me this terrible diagnosis and, you know, it's not going very well and I'm feeling terrible. Will you agree with me? Now, I know what they mean. They mean, will you agree with me in prayer and in faith, according to Matthew 18, 19, and 20, for my healing? But they don't say that. Now, we need to get in the habit of saying it right. <laughs> it, it, it makes a difference. It really makes a difference to our spirit man to say it right. So they'll say, uh, doctor said I'm, I'm gonna, you know, th- th- there's no cure and I'm gonna die from this. Will you agree with me? And I'll say, well, are you sure you want me to agree with that? Well, I know what they mean. They mean, will you agree with me in prayer? But see, I've taught people through the years, say it right, for God's sakes. You can say it right. You can do it. You can learn. (laughs) Relearn. Reprogram yourself to say, the doctor, here's how you would say that. I got a bad report from the doctor, but the word says that by Jesus stripes, I was healed. And pastor, I would like for you to agree with me I'm standing on that scripture, and I'd like for you to agree with me that I'm healed according to Isaiah 53, 4, and 5. Now you give me something to work with. Or if it's not me, it's another believer or whatever. But always, always in, Brother Hagan used to say this, always ends your report, your confession, with how it is that you want it to be. A lot of people will say, I know that the Bible says that I'm healed, but... Well, you just negated everything that you said before. Well, I know I'm healed, but the doctor says I'm dying. Well, it'd be better to put that, turn that around and say, well, the doctor said I'm dying, but I believe the report of the Lord. See, 
Like get it, get it in the right order and, and end up with the last thing you've said being healing and blessing and the hand of God on your life. This is so simple, but I hope you, I hope you can remind yourself of that. Amen. Because oftentimes we do it the other way around and, and our focus becomes the negative part instead of what the word says. So I have a testimony. I, I was working at Kenneth Hagen Ministries and, um, we had a department called the Healing School. And so it was myself and, uh, Patsy Caminetti. Her name was Patsy Beerman at that time. She wasn't married yet. And, um, then we had some volunteers that were helping us. One of those volunteers was Keith Moore and, uh, he was, there as a student first and then, uh, just stayed, stayed around, stayed on and became a volunteer. When I left and started David Horton Ministries, uh, in, uh, 1984, a brother Keith was offered my position and he took that. So anyway, we were there, uh, um, we had people come in Monday through Friday. Now on Thursdays, Afternoon, we would lay hands on the sick and, um, uh, you know, pray. We try to, we wouldn't lay hands on them until Thursday unless they just couldn't be there but one day or whatever. We'd make exceptions. But generally, we would lay hands on them on Thursday. We did it because a lot of them traveled on Friday. They get, you know, go back to where they're from all over, the, from all over the nation. And I'm going to say this all over the world. We had people that came in internationally to sit for a week in our healing school program. Well, this, um, then we would try to encourage them to, to confess this and let their faith target towards Thursday afternoon. We'd say on Thursday, start them on Monday. When Thursday afternoon, when they lay hands on the sick, I will be ministered to and I will receive my healing in Jesus name. And that's where we would get them to set their faith. Well, it worked great. And, and we had a lot of testimonies and Friday. We would just uh, have a lot of testimonies on Friday. And then that was the week every week. So this one girl, I call her a girl. I guess she was a grown woman. She had two or three kids and she was a young, young woman she had kidney failure in both kidneys. Now, that's not good because you almost have to live on a dialysis machine. And you really can't live on a dialysis machine. They can help you for a while, but eventually everything kind of breaks apart. And, uh, but they, she was first on the list for a kidney transplant. You know, they wait for somebody to unfortunately have an accident or whatever, uh, maybe dying of other causes, and and if they have a viable, they've signed that thing about, you know, organ harvesting. I don't mean to, like, get disgusting here during <laughs> sensitive issues, but how many's heard of these things? You know, the, somebody needs a kidney or they need uh, some other uh, uh, body part. They, I think they can transplant eyeballs now and all kinds of things they can do for people. Well, she's on the kidney list and, and, and she'd had one kidney removed. The other one was working. They were from Spencer, Iowa. <laughs> I don't remember their names, but they were from Spencer, Iowa, which is a little 
farm town. They're all farm towns except for Des Moines. And uh, the little farm town, uh, you know, and they had a dairy, her and her family, about three generations of them, they had a dairy farm. I don't know if you know about dairy farms or not, but they're very confining. You, you, Those cows have got to be milked. If you go off on a week or 10-day vacation, those cows have still got to be tended to, fed, milked. The milk sale has to, to continue and everything to have a business. So it's very difficult for all of them to take off more than just two or three days. So they, here they come. And they told me their story. So this young woman, she's about 30 years old. She's already lost one kidney. The other one is dying. The other one is malfunctioning. And they said it'll just be a matter of time. She has to do dialysis. But uh, you're on the list for the next available kidney transplant. You understand? So that's the story. Well, by Thursday, now I would ask people this question. What are we believing for here? We're not going to just slap you down and... Hope for the best. Now, sometimes that's all you have time to do if you've got a big crowd. You know, you've got 500 people in the prayer line. You can't interview each one of them. You'll be there till the second coming. But um, we just sometimes have a few people. So, And we've been working with them all week, two or three sessions a day. Intensive word and spirit work. Amen. Help them to to overcome and get get a grip on something. And I'm telling you it was great. It was I that's where I got most of my training and healing and learned what to do and what not to do. <laughs> and some trial and error. And so anyway, instead of us being codependent and telling them what they're going to believe for, See, I think it's a mistake. Can I just teach you here a second? Pastor you a little bit. I've seen this happen where somebody comes up and says, you know, I'm going in for surgery tomorrow, and I would like agreement that everything will be good. And then the evangelist or the pastor says, well, I'm going to believe that you don't even need the surgery. Well, it's good for you to say, buddy, you're not the one dealing with the situation, and you're not the one that's got... I can't receive healing for you. Well, you could say, you know, now God's highest and best would be that you don't even have the surgery. But the day before the surgery is not the time to have that discussion. Is that wisdom or what? And I'm all for... Miracles, praise God. Let's just get her done and tell the doctors they'll have to depend on somebody else to put in the new swimming pool. That's a little tacky, wasn't it? But sometimes you wonder. Hey, Joyce, order the pool. This guy's getting an open heart, you know. You sometimes wonder. You just wonder. Anyway, um, I said, what is it we're going to believe for? And she said, well, I'm, I know God's highest and best is just to have a miracle, two brand new kidneys. But she says, just to be honest, I don't think my faith is there. 
Well, I love that honesty. It takes a lot of courage to say that at faith headquarters of the universe. Under the spinning faith shield. So she said, um, that's what she said. I said, so what are we agreeing for? What are we praying for? I'm believing that I'll get a kidney soon and that when they do the surgery, my body won't reject it. I said, all right. And then she said, then I'll believe God for the second kidney to be a miracle, just a creative miracle. All right, that's what we're going to believe for. So I joined hands, and we prayed that prayer of agreement. This is what we're talking about today, the prayer of agreement. So, you know, I took her hands and prayed that. Friday came, they left and flew back or drove back or whatever they did to the metropolis of Spencer, Iowa. And um, a few days went by, and I'm having lunch in the lunchroom. I remember what I'm eating. It's a tuna sandwich and potato chips and a pickle. And we're in the lunchroom, and we just have a small window of time for lunch because we're running like three services a day out there uh, for the healing school. And so it's just like, you know, just hold all calls, take messages. We have a receptionist in our little healing building. And uh, Linda was her name. And Linda's taken all the calls, anything that comes through. That's not just an emergency. Well, the phone rings. Nobody wants to pick it up on the wall of the break room. And it's the thing's flashing, you know. And so we pick it up. And somebody picks it up. It was me. I think I picked Yes, I did. I picked it up. I thought, oh, for what? You know, this is lunch. And um, anybody ever had like a like a confined lunch time? I mean, you know, you just don't want to be disturbed during lunch because that's all you get. So he said, "Lady, it's the mother of this of this thirty year old woman, thirty three, I think she was to be exact. The kidney transplant lady. Her mother is on the phone, and we had met. They all came down, you know, for the for the healing school." She says, I'm Mrs. So-and-so. I'm from Spencer, Iowa. I said, oh, I remember you all. How's it going? Well, the good news is that my daughter went into surgery this morning for a kidney transplant. She, one came in. And she said, however, now here comes the other shoe drop, see. She says, however, in the process of, of doing this, she bled, she bled out too much. And she died on the operating table. Now, before I've got a chance to swallow my tuna and go into the condolence pastor mode, which is we're trained to do, you know, you know, you know, you want to be a comfort to Pete. That's a horrible thing. She's dead. She's died on the table. And, um, just now, and they said, that they've tried to revive her and they can't and it's over and just accept it and go on. She said, but we prayed that prayer of agreement before we, she went into surgery. Now, I'm trying to interrupt her to, to console her and she won't let me. So she says, she says, um, 
and we prayed that the surgery would be successful. I wouldn't call dying on the table successful, would you? Now, that's the first time she's given me an opportunity to speak, which was good because I needed to swallow. So I said, no, she, that's what I thought. So she says, I knew you all would agree with us for a miracle there at Raymond and everything. And I wanted to say, well, you know, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I was going to backpedal, you know, to save face. Because obviously the prayer that I told her to pray didn't work. I mean, she, the daughter's dead. D-E-A-D-D-Dead. Dead. Now we say, we say it nicely. They transition to heaven. Whatever we say, nice, beautiful words. But it all ends up dead. And you get a certificate that says death on it. You understand. So it's whatever. Come on. You know, we're grown, grown adults. We can take this. The daughter's dead. She bled out. She died on the table. And she said, well, I don't care what they said. We prayed and agreed that for successful surgery, and this is not successful according to what they say. So I'm standing in faith that um, she's going to come out of this. And she says, I appreciate your agreement. Bye, i got to go. Well, before I have a chance to talk her off her ledge, of being crazy, they've sent what they've done. They've sent the staff psychiatrist to talk to her. That she's in denial. You're not accepting. You know, blah 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 blah. blah you know, and uh, so I'm sitting down to finish the sandwich. I told everybody what she said. We're all feeling kind of bad. You know, somebody said, "Well, if you don't have enough faith for healing, how are you going to have enough faith to raise the dead?" You know, this is our this is what word people talk when things don't go well. So this is, this is, you know, we have to get out of it some way. Now see, I got friends that just don't like me talking like that, but, but it's true. Nonetheless, it's just true. Everybody wonders about it. I'd just rather be blunt. Say, well, something went wrong somewhere. I don't know. Well, she calls back. About 20 minutes later, it's now it's really the end of lunch. Hi, this is the lady from Spencer, Iowa. Yeah, she says, um, just want you to know that we've had a miracle. I said, what? She said, well, she was dead on the table for 15 minutes. They were cleaning up, going to sew her up, and said, all of a sudden, the monitor, the heartbeat monitor started going. However, they said now she's got motor nerve damage and brain damage and all this, and, you know, she's not going to be normal again, and she's going to be a vegetable. And, and she said, but I, I, they said she was dead and she's not, so I don't receive that. What about you? I wanted to say, I think you need to come pray for us. Over here with all of our explanations for what went wrong. So she... Uh, Said, I'll call you back. Well, three days went by and I didn't hear from her. She called on like day four again. Linda on the, uh, the receptionist. Brother David, it's that woman from Spencer. I thought, oh God, it's 
probably gone downhill. I don't know. Looks terrible. So I get into Assemblies of God pastor console mode, you know, ready to go. She goes, praise the Lord. And I said, well, praise the Lord. She said, you know, my daughter laid, laid on that table for three days. I mean, laid on a, they strapped her down. Her body shook violently. And I just sat there and I said, isn't it, isn't it wonderful that we prayed the prayer of agreement? Isn't it wonderful that you had a successful surgery? Isn't it wonderful that everything's working out here? And she said, my daughter just shook, you know, jerked on the table from motor nerve damage and, and no, you know, not cognizant at all. And she said, the morning, this morning, she woke up calm and said, hi, mom, how'd the surgery go? And the doctors, now you would think they'd be happy. They're just, we're just baffled. Why don't you be happy for once? Stop being baffled. <laughs> I love the medical world. No, no problem. And we've got doctors and nurses and all among us. But, uh, you know, sometimes you just wonder about these doctors. How come they can't say, great, you had a miracle? You know, so sometimes it's, well, I don't know. Somebody, I don't know, scratching their head. They have head and shoulders for that. You can, you can be healed today of itchy scalp. Praise God. <laughs> Scratching your head. <laughs> you scratch too long, you're going to rub a sore in that thing. Well, uh, do you love that story? Well, it wasn't long. Before camp meeting came around in Tulsa, praise the Lord, the holy city. And uh, I'm walking with my wife around the top of the arena, get down to some seats that we had. And all of a sudden, here's this whole family from Spencer, Iowa. They've, they've come up for camp meeting. And they said, hey, Brother David, yeah, I, we're the Spencer, Iowa people. I said, yeah, I recognize you. And she said, praise God, my mama stood with me on the prayer of agreement, and I'm here today, and I'm helping with the farm, and my kidney is doing well. I'm believing God for another one. So that's the power of the prayer of agreement. That's what can be produced. Amen? You like that testimony? I think it's classic. I think it's wonderful. Praise God. Amen. So whatever you need from the Lord, you know, get get another believer. It doesn't always have to be the pastor. It can just be another believer. Your husband, your wife, your friend. To agree with you in prayer, uh, standing on the Word. I, it's always good to say, now these are the Scriptures we're standing on. You don't have to have 19 of them. One will work. And just stand on the Word and say, that's what I'm believing. And, I, and Sister... Sister Jones here is believing with me. And we're standing. Amen. Praise God. All right, let's lift our hands and thank the Lord for the word today. I'm going to pray for the uh, audience on, watching on online. Father, we thank you today for your healing power. And we do agree with those that are standing in faith today for their healing. I command blind eyes to open, deaf ears to unstop, lame legs to walk cancers and tumors and growths and abnormalities to disappear and, 
and go away. Father, we thank you for your healing power. We thank you for healing from the top of their head to the soles of their feet in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for those who are looking for salvation, looking for a way to be delivered from the things of this world. And Lord, I thank you for the fact they can just call on the name of the Lord and be saved today in Jesus' name. Those who need a deliverance from substance abuse, we thank you, Lord, for your blood working. Those who struggle with mental illness issues, in Jesus' name, be set free, be delivered today. Those who have physical and uh, material and financial needs, Lord, I thank you that you show yourself strong and bring things around for them in Jesus' name. We give you glory, honor, and praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Don't forget we have church here Wednesday night. And um, this Wednesday night, Sister Shannon is teaching. And uh, she always brings a good word that people are blessed. So if you're, you're watching by Internet again, uh, make sure and tune in. All right. God bless you. You may be dismissed. Amen. Praise the Lord.